All right, if you have your Bibles with me, would you please turn to Luke chapter 24? We'll also have the scripture passage up on the screen, or you can follow along on your phone. My name is Taylor Rutland, by the way. I'm one of the pastors here at First Baptist New Orleans, and again, we are so honored and delighted to have you here with us this morning. So we're going to be looking at a very obvious passage today, focusing on the resurrection of Jesus, told from Luke's perspective. In fact, this particular account is only found in Luke's gospel. And I think it's an interesting perspective for us to examine today as we focus on the resurrection. So we're going to begin in verse 13 of chapter 24. Let me set the scene for you. I read this passage earlier in the service, but the women go to the tomb expecting to prepare Jesus' body and bring spices and oils. And when they get there, they are met by an angel who tells them that Jesus is no longer there. He has risen. Why do you look for the living among the dead? And then Luke shifts his focus to another story altogether. And so that's where we're going to be this morning, beginning in verse 13 of chapter 24. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you were holding with each other as you walk. And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying, that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all of the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. 
They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with him gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. This perspective that Luke offers us this morning is different than a lot of the other Gospels. In fact, we don't find the village of Emmaus named any other place in the entire New Testament. And there are four observations that the Lord gave to me as I was studying and preparing this text that I want to share with you this morning. And the first is this, that every one of us in this room, we are all having conversations about Jesus. As they go to Emmaus, the Gospel of Luke primarily focuses on Jesus traveling towards Jerusalem. So from about halfway in the Gospel all the way to the end, we see Jesus and his disciples going from town to town and city to city. And along the way, as he's moving to Jerusalem, he is trying to teach his disciples what it means to truly follow after Jesus. But the sad thing about this travel narrative is that the disciples never really understand why Jesus says the things that he says. They're confused. And so when Jesus meets these men on the road moving away from Jerusalem, these disciples have already given up hope. The reality is all of us today are having conversations about Jesus, whether with other people, whether in our own hearts and minds. And there is a lot of speculation about Jesus. Some people think that he was just a good moral teacher. Some believe that he was a prophet or a wise sage. Some believe that these gospel accounts were just made-up stories that the early church fabricated in order to keep the movement alive. And yet others believe that Jesus was the Son of God, dying on a cross for the sins of the world, and three days later, being raised from the dead. There are all sorts of conversations that we have about Jesus, but the most reliable sources that we have of Jesus come from the Gospels. National Geographic, CNN, the History Channel, They might provide some interesting information. Some of it might be historically accurate. But when we want to know the truth about Jesus of Nazareth, we look to these gospel accounts. There is a lot of talk about Jesus this week. Not just because it's Holy Week, but because on Monday, many of you saw the images and the pictures of the Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris on fire and burning. A tragic, tragic, historic landmark. But if you look closely, many of you have probably seen the picture of the golden cross that remained untouched with soot and flames and crumbled wood laying all around the cathedral. The golden cross remains intact. Now, I know some of you are going to say, well, everybody knows gold doesn't burn at high temperatures. I get that. But the reality is, Jesus Christ that we serve is not bound to any physical structure. In fact, right now, 
as we are in here worshiping, there are believers in Jesus Christ in house churches in China, in villages in Africa, in the jungles of South America, many of whom will never have a building, never have indoor plumbing, never have heating and air. And we can all say we can worship the name of Jesus together. Four out of ten believers in Jesus Christ by the year 2060 will come from sub-Saharan Africa. So lest we believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ is restricted to this building or this country, we will be sadly mistaken. This building could burn down today. And as upsetting as that would be to us, our relationship with Jesus would not end. And so as we have conversations with people, as we mourn the loss of this historic landmark, let us never forget that Jesus today, regardless of any physical structure, remains on his throne. Not only do we see that these two men were having a conversation about Jesus, this particular conversation was so that we could know the good news about Jesus. So in verses 19 to 24, you get this snippet of the gospel in every single part of it. The first is that Jesus came as a prophet to proclaim the kingdom of God. This is what the men tell Jesus himself, and yet they don't realize that it's him. And then they say that the chief priests and the scribes and the rulers, his own people, handed him over to the Roman authorities. Why would they do such a thing? It's because Jesus' teaching makes all of us uncomfortable. Let me give you an example of this. Jesus' most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, which is recorded in Matthew 5-7, through Jesus takes two of the most common commandments from the Ten Commandments. And this is how he teaches it. He says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder. But I say to you that anyone who is angry with his brother is liable to judgment. And then he takes the commandment about adultery and he says, You have heard that it was said, Do not commit adultery. And then Jesus says, But I say to you, if you have ever looked at a woman with lustful intent, you have already committed adultery with her in your heart. See, the reason the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees did not like Jesus is because He took the commandments that they believed they were following and He intensified them. He made them that much harder to keep. And what all of the Gospels show us is that religion teaches worship the rules. But Jesus teaches worship Him. And there is a huge difference between adhering to a set of rules and regulations and worshiping somebody, Jesus Christ. You know, what's most intriguing about this story is that the men, as they're walking to Emmaus, they have their own preconceived ideas and agenda of what they thought Jesus was going to be. And anytime you and I bring our own expectations of who Jesus should be, just like he remains invisible to them in this story, he will remain invisible to us as well. It's only when we allow Jesus to stand on his own 
and read the accounts that the Gospels give us that we can truly worship Jesus for who he is. But we keep moving on, and we see that the disciples talk about the crucifixion, a key point of the resurrection story. There can be no resurrection without crucifixion. But why is the crucifixion so important? And this gets to the heart of the gospel message. The God who reigns over the universe is holy and perfect, and he cannot be around sin in any way, shape, or form. So Jesus came to earth, and he lived that perfect, sinless life that you and I could not keep to satisfy the demands that God has placed on us. And so what the gospel teaches is, you are incapable of keeping these laws completely, but Jesus is. And so he died in your place as your substitute because he loves you unconditionally. And then we know three days later, he is risen from the dead, showing us that he not only has power over physical death, but he has power over sin. If the resurrection of Jesus Christ did not happen, then you and I should leave Christianity. Hear me. There is no point in following after Jesus if the resurrection did not happen. Go and make your own religion and do the best you can. Because there is no other hope in the universe unless the resurrection of Jesus Christ is true. Because if we're going to place our faith in Jesus as somebody who can conquer sin, then he better have died and conquered death. And we see this, all of this in this gospel account, as the disciples are making their way to Emmaus, they are telling Jesus himself what he already knows has happened. And that's the irony that we find Luke using here. But the reality is, Jesus still chooses not to reveal himself to these disciples. He waits, and they continue to walk. And the gospel message is made clear to Jesus himself, even though he already knows what it means and how it affects people. The reality is this morning, every one of us is worshiping something. Productivity, achievement, career, money, your favorite sports team, your family. We're all worshiping something. I recently watched the best documentary of the year, according to the Academy Awards, Free Solo. How many of you have seen this? It's on Hulu. I had to borrow someone's account to watch it. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> but Free Solo is the story of Alex Honnold, who is a mountain climber, a rock climber, who not only climbs with ropes, but he has gone all over the world in what is called free soloing. And his challenge is to go and climb El Capitan, a 3,200 vertical rock face in Yosemite National Park. And his goal is to do it without ropes. I'm not going to spoil the documentary for you. I also cannot give you my username and password to go watch it. But you should watch this. 
But what's interesting as I watch this documentary is to see how much fulfillment and purpose he gets from rock climbing. In fact, I want to read to you what he says because it's very interesting. He says, I'll never be content unless I at least try to climb this mountain. And another time he says, some people get fulfillment from all sorts of things, but I get my fulfillment in life from mountain climbing. And I use this documentary as an illustration to point out that you and I are seeking fulfillment and purpose in life, but most of the things that we seek it in will fade away. Our family, our career, our achievements, our productivity, those are good things to pursue, but they all have a shelf life. And at the end of the day, the only thing that will last into eternity is a relationship with Jesus. And the gospel message we see here in this passage. But Jesus doesn't reveal himself. Instead, he tells the men, look to the scriptures. And he takes every possible writing in scripture that points to Jesus. And he shows them this as they're walking. One of the beautiful things that happens to us as we read God's Word, two things especially happen. Number one, when you read the Word of God, you feel conviction. Let's take the most popular passage probably in all of the Bible, the Ten Commandments. And as you read through those commandments, you realize, I have not kept all of these perfectly for all time. So the Word of God brings conviction upon your heart. But then you also feel this void inside of you because you know there has to be a way to get rid of this feeling of guilt and conviction and shame that I feel. And that's by design because the Word of God is pointing you to the very one who can remove that guilt, remove that shame. I love the way the Apostle Paul illustrates this in the New Testament. He says the entire reason the law was created, was to point you to Jesus. So if you are here this morning and you are overwhelmed and bogged down by the amount of rules and regulations that you know you cannot keep, then stop trying to keep it. And place your faith in the one who kept it perfectly. You cannot earn salvation. You cannot earn eternal life with Jesus. If there was a way to do it, we would have done it by now. Church attendance, giving away your money, doing good things in the city where you live, and trying to do more good at the end of the day than bad, those are all good ideas, but that's not what the Word of God teaches. It says the Christian identity can only be received, not achieved. Salvation. Eternal life with Jesus in heaven forever. It can't be earned. And these Old Testament passages that you and I read that are pointing to Jesus are deliberate to show us that we must have a relationship with Jesus in order to be made right with Him. Now that I have finally, finally finished school, I have more time on my hands. I have no hobbies. None. If you were to come to my house, you would see I live a very dull existence, okay? But I've tried really hard to pick up 
a new hobby. And it, again, it's not that exciting, so I'm going to warn you. But I've started reading for fun instead of having to read for school. And one of my goals in 2019 is even though I'm 15 years or maybe more late to the party, I finally started reading Harry Potter. <laughs> now, I've seen none of the movies. I have no idea what happens. I'm currently about three-fourths of the way through the third book. I'm really enjoying myself, but I'm going in with a complete blank slate. But it would be silly for me to take Harry Potter and begin at book three or book four or book five and not start with number one. And what Jesus is telling his Jewish disciples here is in order for them to truly understand who Jesus is, they need to understand all of these passages that are pointing to him. And what Luke is trying to tell us is that the whole counsel of God is important. From Genesis all the way to Revelation. And the only way that we properly know who Jesus is, is to understand where he came from and what is pointing to him. We also see that Jesus is in the business of changing people's hearts. As they continue to walk down the road, eventually these disciples invite Jesus to come and stay with him. And he is reluctant at first, but he says, okay, I'll come in and I'll stay with you. And they sit down for a meal. And anytime there is a case of hospitality, typically speaking, the one who invites the person in is the one who hosts the meal. But Luke shows us here that as soon as they sit down to partake of this meal together, Jesus takes control. And he breaks the bread and he blesses it. And as soon as he breaks the bread and blesses it, those disciples finally realized that Jesus was who he said he was. And then he vanishes from sight. But actually, if you look closely, I believe these disciples were actually convinced before Jesus broke the bread because they tell us themselves that as Jesus was pointing out the scriptures to them, their hearts were burning inside of them. It's after Jesus was telling them, I am who I said I am. When the Word of God convicts us, when He speaks to us, sometimes it feels like our hearts are burning. And we know that something's going on inside of us. That's the Spirit of God moving in our hearts. And that's what happened to these men on the road their hearts were burning within them because they knew that all of these stories about the women going to the tomb actually happened. You'll notice that as they're walking with Jesus, they actually say, we believed that he was the Messiah, past tense, indicating that at this point in the story, when they're walking on the road, they did not believe anymore that Jesus was the Messiah. Why did they stop believing because they had a different idea of what the Messiah was supposed to be. And the Jewish people of Jesus' day, for the most part, were looking for this political, military warrior who was going to come and deliver the Jewish people from the Romans and give peace and prosperity. 
And that is not what they got. Instead, they got a man who came, went from town to town, healing people, hanging out with widows and orphans and the poor, washing people's feet, and then willingly dying on a cross, even though he had the power to resist it. That's the Messiah that you and I serve. Not this political military warrior who comes to overthrow the Romans. No, he comes to serve. The Bible tells us Jesus came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He gave his life for you and for me. Everybody loves a story of redemption. Any type of story that deals with somebody coming from nothing and rising to have success is some of our favorite stories as human beings. Or a sports team that goes from last place and then the next year wins it all. These are stories that we always identify with. Well, one week ago today, we had one of the greatest sports stories in the history of sports. Many of you know what I'm talking about. Tiger Woods won his fifth green jacket. Eleven years since he had his last major championship. His first one was in 1997. And as he's walking off the green in 1997, he gives his father this huge bear hug. And last week, 2019, as he walks off the green, at the age of 43... He gives his 10-year-old son a bear hug. Sports commentators, journalists, people that were there at the scene say, Augusta National has never been louder than it was last Sunday. A man who has experienced a number of back surgeries, a number of knee surgeries, not to mention the things that have happened to him that we know about off the course. And yet last Sunday, the only thing that mattered was somebody going from nothing to success. We crave redemption stories as human beings. And the story of redemption that you and I can have in Jesus Christ blows the Tiger Woods story out of this universe. Jesus loves you. He died for you, for every sin that you have ever committed, that you are currently committing, and that you will ever commit. If you do not know Jesus Christ today, receive Him as Lord and Savior. Come and walk after Him. Many people think, if I follow Jesus, I'm going to have to give up so much. No, the reality is, if you follow Jesus, you will have more freedom than you will ever have. But you won't experience it until you make the decision to follow after him. So as Jesus and these disciples break bread together, and these disciples realize that the very man that they had been walking with was in fact the one that died for them, they run back to Jerusalem and tell all the disciples and tell the women. And from there, the story of Christianity has continued throughout all generations. Redemption is possible 
through Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we celebrate what you did for us. Why you died for us. How you died for us. We celebrate all of those reasons this morning. God, eternal life in Jesus is available freely to anyone who will accept it. And God, I pray that if right now there is somebody here whose heart is burning within them, that they would make the decision to come and follow after you. And for the rest of us in this room that already know what it means to be a follower of Jesus, I pray that we would make it our mission in life to share this news with everyone that we know. So God, I pray now that you would just speak to us and that we would respond however you're leading us to respond. And we ask all of these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.